Welcome to How Art is Born, a podcast from the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practices. I'm your host, R. Alan Brooks, artist, writer, and professor. Today I'm joined by a Denver-based, self-taught, multidisciplinary artist focused on photography and film direction, Blake Jackson. Say hello. How's it going? See, I make everybody do that so that they know when they listen, they're like, what voice is different? That's right. That's Who's right. talking now? <laughs> anyway, uh, start us off, man. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Man, um, my name is Blake. I love long walks on the beach, <laughs> you know, blowing daffodils, you know, watching them float off in the wind. No, I'm <laughs> no my name is Blake. Um, I'm from Cheyenne, Wyoming, the thriving metropolis of Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, and yeah, I moved to Denver in 2007. Uh, just trying to trace some dreams, and that dream led me to selling mattresses for about four years. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Yeah. Um, and stumbled my way to becoming a, a full-time creative somehow, hmm. some way. Okay. Well, so let me ask you uh, more yeah. specifically about this stuff. So, like, you were born in Wyoming? Yeah, so I was born in Wyoming. I lived there until I was months old, like five or six okay. months old. Um, and then my mom, myself, and then my older brother, Jermaine, we moved down to Mesa, Arizona, okay. a suburb of Phoenix. Huh. Um, and we lived there until I was about nine years old, then we moved back to Cheyenne. Hmm. So my whole family, generationally, is from Cheyenne. Okay. So we are originally, I mean, we're originally from the continent, but you know, yeah, yeah. You know our, my, our family is traced back to Mississippi. Right on. So um, my grandpa was, uh, worked for the railroad. Huh. And when they built the Union Pacific Railroad in Cheyenne, yeah. in, I want to say, the late 50s, early 60s, he moved our entire family to Cheyenne, and that's where we're from, man. Huh. Yeah, so if you see a black person in Wyoming, they're probably a family member of mine. <laughs> that's pretty yeah, dope, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let me ask you, uh, what was your sort of first interaction with art? Like, uh, you know, was it was it creating? Was it as a fan? Like, what, what grabbed you right away? Man, um... I've always been interested in art, but never considered it to be art until I was told it was art. Huh. You know what I mean? Like, I've always been interested in cartoons. I've always yeah. been interested in comic books. I've always been interested in movies, you know. Um, but the first time I actually, like, did something artistic was, um, you know, I, I, w I would always be doodling and drawing and things like that. And at the time when I was coming up. You know, I you know, Dragon Ball Z was a thing. Right. So I was, you know, try. I would be in the art class drawing a, a terrible Vegeta. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, the hairline looked great, though. It, <laughs> it looked very accurate. It looked very accurate, but the, the rest of the hair wasn't looking great. Uh, um, I just got to throw this out real quick. Yes. Uh, in a in a battle, a hip hop rap battle, like yes. in my twenties, one of the lines I was most proud of, I said, uh, "I'd be chilling till your flows disappear like Krillin's nose." <laughs> That's for the Dragon Ball fans. All right. Why, why did he not have, I don't understand why he didn't have a nose, that's wild. And then later on in the comic, like, he got hair too. Yeah. And, and they shouldn't have did that. He looked ridiculous having right. hair. hair and he, was no a nose. he was a family man and whatever, no nose, he had the dots on his head. Right. Yeah, it was crazy. So, you know, that was like my first foray, foray into it. Um, and then, you know, I, I transitioned to, you know, into writing. Like, like I, I was really into creative writing. And, okay. Uh, shout out, shout out to Mrs. P. She was our creative writing, oh, nice. creative writing uh, well, teacher. Let me interrupt there yeah. and say, like, uh, what were, were you reading things that made you want to write, or did you just kind of? No, no. I, 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 you know, I wasn't a voracious reader. You know, I read 
you know, if I had to read, yeah. you know, for school. Um, you know, I, I read things that were short form, like comic books. Okay. So I'd read a lot of comic books or short stories or, you know, I was in like Goosebumps and stuff back nice. in the day, you know. Yeah. So I would run. And, and so that kind of carried throughout my entire life of, you know, wanting to digest these stories in bite-sized chunks. So, you know, in my creative writing class, it would always be about, you know, writing the short stories, obviously, you know, just to kind of get to the point. Yeah. And I remember the first time I, I realized that uh, – <laughs> I could make something that people weren't expecting was in the same creative writing class in, in high school. Huh. We had to write a um, little, short, little short story that was no longer than three minutes, uh-huh. and we had to get in front of the class and read it. And I, I wrote this short story about this, this man who, um, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think of that, <laughs> a 15-year-old would think of this kind of stuff, would go around the city and he would like stab people and kill people and stuff. Okay. And he would just, every time he would do it, he's like, I'm late, I'm about to be late, I'm about to be late. And so huh. the whole thing was about him, for some reason, being the serial killer that was always in a rush. Huh. And, and I remember after writing it, after reading it, they, most times, like, everybody would get an applause. I didn't get any applause at the end of it. Huh. But I got a whole lot of, what the hell was that? But it was like, then, but then all the kids would come up after, uh, yeah. to me after class, and the teacher would come up to uh, after class like, yeah, that's phenomenal, but you're going to have to tone it down. Huh. You know what I mean? So, and that's, uh, that's what I'm yeah. it's, it's a distinct moment. Yeah. You created something. Yeah. And able to see the effects on people. Yeah, and it, it was kind of, you know, also kind of concerning that at age 14, 15 years old, I was already thinking about, like, making, like, a horror story. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, where, where did What do you think appealed from? to you about that? Um, you know, I think anybody with depression is okay. <laughs> it's like really cool with like diving into like the darker part parts of the yeah. recesses of their mind. And, you know, I, I, uh, one of my first lasting memories, like a core memory of mine uh-huh. was, uh, when I was living in Arizona, the first few years we were in Arizona, it was just me and my brother, okay. uh, my older brother, Jermaine. And, uh, and for some reason, you know, we were latchkey kids, right? Yeah. So yeah. for some reason he thought, while my my mom and my stepdad were out doing stuff, it would be cool for us to sit down and watch Child's Play. Huh. Terrible idea. I was seven. Uh-huh. It, just, right. it ruined me, right? right? And so, like, and I remember having this big-time phobia of Chucky for, like, forever, right? Yeah. So, like, maybe that was, like, the, the, the jumping-off point of right. me being kind of okay with, like, the darker thing, things mm. of life. You know what I mean? It's so, interesting. Yeah. It's interesting that you came to it, like, sort of, like, in that traumatic way, right? So It was very traumatic. Yeah. I had to go to therapy for it. Wow. I, I used to have like panic attacks. So blockbuster, right? right. So we would walk into this blockbuster yeah. uh, in our neighborhood, and you know they have those big cardboard cutouts of like the cover right. of a of a upcoming film. Yeah. And they had one for Child's Play too. It was one where Chucky had the big scissors, huh. and he was about to cut the head off of one of those Jack in the Boxes. And they had it like right in front, like right when you walked in. Right. And I walked in after my mother, and she just keeps walking, and she's like talking and stuff, thinking I'm behind her still. I'm frozen in fear, wow. staring at it. I couldn't move. I couldn't talk. I kind of like, that yeah. was my first time having a panic attack. And I was like eight, wow, man. eight, nine years old. So huh. um, it left like an indelible mark on my brain from that point. And I think that along with like the way that we grew up, you know, we grew up poor, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, you know, we kind of had a, a, a pretty traumatic childhood. You know what I mean? I think that along with, that instance along with 
being a kid with like ADHD, you know, diagnosed with that when I was in fifth grade. Okay. And and having an overactive imagination and being okay with being being alone yeah. with myself. Like I was okay with being by myself because I was cool with that. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of friends, but I I found myself being alone, playing alone, and writing alone, and doing huh. all that stuff by myself. You know, I, you know, I wasn't completely a recluse, but I was okay with that. Yeah. Kind of allowed me a lot of time to spend, you know, up in my head. You know. Well, okay, so given yeah. all of that, yeah. how, did, how did art fit into that? Because for some people, art is an escape. Sometimes it heals you. Sometimes it's about sharing a message with the world. Did it, did it function in any of those ways for you? Doing? It was a mixture of, bo- of all of that. So okay. it was, a mi- it was a, being able to go to a different world, yeah. for, for one. For two, it was just like I wanted, I wanted to be able to express myself. Yeah. And, I, and it it's really hard for non-artists to, to understand that expression of right. using art as a form of, of, of expressing yourself because um, we're, we're able to do that through the language of, of our vocation, of our art, of, right. of, of our craft, as opposed to just being like, yeah, this is how I feel, this is my worldview, we can show them, yeah. you know? So it was, it was that and I just wanted to get what I wanted to say out, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, and it was just like one of those things where it's like, you know, if you're an artist, like to, to your core, you're, you, it's like compulsive, hmm. you know, you can't live without doing it. Like you can't survive without creating something, you know? Right. Okay. So, um, you're going through these experiences, you're, um, dealing with trauma, you're, you know, working through all of these things is, um, and then you said that one of the things that stood out to you was you wanted to be able to say something through art, uh, at that age, at that time. What, what, what was it that you felt like you wanted to say? I wanted to be able to, um, like my whole life, man, I don't really feel like people have really thoroughly understood me. Huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have very close friends, you know, I've, you know, I got people that I've known my entire life. And I, you know, I think this is true for anybody. Like you, you, you can know somebody up to a point, you know, because yeah. you're not with them for their most intimate moments by themselves. Yeah, you're not in their head. You're either. not in their head. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I, I've always just been able, been wanting to be able to get out this perspective um, of how I see the world, my like my world world, world view. Yeah, and I couldn't do that other than through art. And what's wild about my journey, you know, to becoming an artist because I didn't consider myself to be an artist until like 2018. Okay, 2018, 2019, wow. probably. And but you were doing. I mean, I know I've been, you. Were I've doing been, doing been making art, art like yeah. my whole life, and and even like at a professional level. But for some reason, I didn't consider myself to be an artist until. Um, you know, I quit my job to do photography full time in 2017, right? Yeah. And it still took me a few years, probably, you know, maybe even like to 2020, till I actually felt like I had released the shackles of like what I thought people wanted me to be. Huh. And so I was able to actually live as an artist, like express myself as an artist, yeah. dress the way I want to dress because I can be like, yo, yes, you couldn't pull that off because you're not, you're not me. But huh. since I am me, I can pull this off because it's the way that I feel. This is how I'm going to be able to express myself, yeah. right? The most me. Yeah, this is the most me. This yeah. is like, you know, when you think about, you know, The Matrix, which is a movie that literally changed my entire life, right? Mm. But like in The Matrix, you have their their uh, their subconscious expressions of themselves while they're in The Matrix. Like, mm. this is how I see myself, right? Yeah. And and so up until a few years ago or a couple of years ago, I didn't really feel like I was able to fully lean into 
my uh, uh, my vision of how I, I look at this world, right? Mm. And so, and in addition to that, yeah. the reason I didn't really feel like I was an artist was because it took forever for me not only to find my voice, voice, but to find something that I feel like I could stick with because I'm, you know, I'm an Aquarius through and through. I'm, I'm a curial. I change my mind pretty quickly. Okay. You know, I can go different direct. I can go one direction and, and, and change on a dime yeah. the next day, you know? Huh. Um, and, and that kind of permeated throughout every part of my life, specifically with how I wanted to pr- express myself creatively. Hmm. You know, I was drawing and I was pretty good at it, but I never dedicated myself to actually doing it for like my whole life. Right. I had this period where I was obsessed with it and then I put it down. Right. You know, there's a period where I was writing a whole lot and then I put it down. Hmm. You know what I mean? And so I think that's why I have this, this such big love for photography. And then, you know, by way of photography, filmmaking is because it's stuck. Yeah. It's stuck. It's stuck. You huh. know what I mean? It was finally something where I'm like, you know, I'm good at this. I can make a living doing this. And I'm finally getting the uh, the world or my world um, or the people in my world to to see what I've been trying to say this whole time. Hmm. You know, and so that has been something that I've been able to hold on to. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm going to say I'm really interested in um, this sort of quote unquote idea of yeah. an artist. Right. Yeah. Um, because. If you were making photography, like I've known you to make photography for much longer than, like, much longer than before 2018. Yeah. So, um, was it the financial component that made you feel like, you know, like I can support myself? Like, what what made you feel like you're finally an artist? It, it was it was a, it was a uh, feeling that um, that my art wasn't compartmentalized. Okay. It was, it was, instead of it being a waffle, it was, it was a pancake Uh. and it was spreading all the, the syrup was spreading out through all my pieces. Interesting. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to, um, watch what I say. Yeah. um, That's a big thing. That's a big thing. You know, that's, might have gotten me in trouble the last couple of years of being very expressive about my worldview. And, you know, it's probably cost me a bag because I'm very much, um, I'm very uh, steadfast in my beliefs and yeah. when it comes to like liberation and anti-imperialism and right. you know, being anti-capitalist and all that, right? So, um, but, you know, it allowed me to, you know, 2020 was a really pivotal year for me because it forced me to slow down, it forced me to stop, and it forced me to uh, focus on the world in a way that I hadn't focused on it huh. before and, and really get into this part of myself where, you know, my level of empathy could now be expressed in a way that was tangible. You know, mm. I've always been somebody that has cared for like the underdog and the small person um, and the people that don't have a voice. But now, you know, by way of what was happening in 2020, I was able to find a community that was able to allow me to uh, put that empathy into in, in, into people, right? Mm. And whether it was through activi- activism or through actions or mutual aid or, or digital activism or, or things of that nature or philanthropy or fundraising, it, it really helps solidify what I feel like my, my role in my community can be. Hmm. And then since then it's evolved even more. So, you know, 2020 I think was, you know, I, I say this a lot to my friends, like if you were able to come out of 2020 period, like you're winning for one. No doubt. And for two, if you're able to come out of 2020 and have this um, ability to um, 
still hold, held on to that part of you that, you know, a lot of people lost because of how crazy 2020 was. That part of you must have stuck around for a reason. So, hmm. like, you know, lean into that a little bit. Okay. Um, it just kind of solidified it. You know, I think we as a society went through a whole lot and it strengthened us. And then it uh, traumatized us as well. You know, a lot of things that went on during that time. But I think it really solidified, you know, uh, what what we believe to be what's right. Huh. And what, that, what that's done for myself is allowed me to... Um, have a little bit more perspective yeah. of, of not only of my world and of what, what's going on in it, but being more, persp- uh, more uh, aware of, of myself and, and how I walk within it. Hmm. And so I've been able to use my art in a way to express myself in a, in a manner that lines up with that, with that, with that dogma a little yeah. bit, um, but not necessarily hitting it nail on the head of like, okay, this photo signifies this, but mm-hmm. more of, okay, you're going to find out who I am by way of my art, and then you're going to get this message hmm. on top of that. You know what I mean? Because no, I use no that as a chosen horse yeah. to get people to listen to what I have to say. No, I love that, man. I, like As you're talking, I, I feel like we have um, some interesting parallel paths. We come from different places. Like um, you come from a place where uh, it sounds like you might have been the only black face in a lot of uh, sur- surroundings. I come from Atlanta, which I didn't know any white people, but I was surrounded by um, people who did not understand art and, and, and in some ways resented it and made me feel bad, like, like I was some flighty, selfish person for wanting to, to express my creativity, right? right? And so part of my journey was also moving to Denver because <laughs> I had to get away That's from right. all the people who were like choking you know, what was valuable to me. And I remember like my homeboys being like, move out to white boy land, see what happens, you know, that kind of thing, right? Uh, but it's, it's a cool thing because even when I moved here, it did not happen the way I wanted it to, just the way that you're talking about. But I put out my first graphic novel in 2017. You had your thing in 2017. Like, That's right. Yeah, so like uh, a lot of these things are happening and we're both at the point where we're making a living, you know, off of our art. And it's a really interesting journey, but that whole thing for me is, um, I was filled with this fear of who I would damage if I was my fullest self. Whoa. You know, and a lot of what you're talking about, right, of like learning to speak your, your, most, in, your most authentic voice. That, uh, in, during 2020, I, I, wrote a, I wrote and drew um, a short comic story for uh, Denver Noir. It's like an anthology. I'm the only comic book person, but it's all like noir stories, right? And I wrote this story, and I was like, this is the blackest thing I ever wrote. They're going to hate it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they were like, no, we love it. And I was like, for real? You know, I didn't get blacklisted, you know. Wow. And it was an interesting thing when I'm speaking in my most authentic voice, how that allows people to hear in their most authentic selves, and it reaches them in a place where nothing else would. Man, it's, I, uh, you know, I, I'm, it's weird. I have this two, you know, that, that whole meme of, like, you have two wolves inside of you. Like, one, one of my wolves is, you know, I, I you know, I, I really appreciate you know, being recognized as being inspirational to somebody. And then the other wolf is like, hey, bro, I don't know. Like, sometimes I find it really hard to clean my apartment. Like, there's, like, I have that self-doubt, right, where I'm like, hey, don't, you know, I tell people, you know, uh, that are complimentary of me, and I'm like, hey, don't don't pedestal me because, like, I'm, I'm a human being, and I'm probably going to let you down. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm, I'm real, but the, the, I'm, I'm appreciative of it, of it because – 
um, I, I, I see so many people talk about how you need to do what you have to do for yourself and you shouldn't rely on other people to put the battery in your back. And I, I, I'm, I believe in that, you know, you have to have be self-motivated and you have to be uh, uh, self-driven to be able to do something. But uh, that's a lonely, lonely existence because a lot of times you, you miss the forest from the trees and, right. you, and you, sometimes you don't realize you're like, damn, am I doing this for nothing? Am I doing this for nothing? No one's gonna, no one's gonna see it, let alone not connect with it. No one's going to be able to. And, but then, when you get somebody that can reach out to you and say, you know, you inspired me to take a chance on myself, you know, or you inspired me to um, go out on faith and, and and not be afraid to speak my my truth, that to me is is much more um, fulfilling than any type of like article that gets written about me or any type of interview I do or any type of accolade or any type of bag or check I get, um, you know, because I am so inspired by the people that are in my life and I'm so um, uh, thankful to have them as my inspiration that keeps me going and to be that for, for somebody else. It's it's one of those things where it, it like it hits two parts of yourself where it like you know it gives you that that surface level ego boost where you're like okay cool that's nice like yeah. I, I appreciate being appreciated mm. but it also gives me for me as somebody that you know is deeply emotional and and like deeply passionate mm. and and deeply takes things and I romanticize everything <laughs> in my life okay to 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 a degree that um, you know may or may not be healthy but. Uh, it, it's like, you know, it, feeling like you can make somebody want to do something that they felt that they couldn't do is like, yo, that's the thing. That's, that's yeah. the shit right there, man. Right. That's, that's where it comes from. That's what it's all about, you know? Yeah, it's an interesting thing mm-hmm. to try to divide uh, empty praise from, like, real connection, right? That's it, man. Like, I militantly resist people who try to gas me up. Yo, you're killing it. You know what I'm saying? You're doing it because that, that means nothing. Like, it gives you nothing, and it'll, it'll go away as soon as, as quickly as it came, you know? But when you have that person who's like, um, for me, it'll be like, you know, I read something that you wrote and it made me think about my whole life in a whole different way. Like that kind of stuff. That's it, dude. Yeah, that's the most beautiful why the, gift. Why the hell are we doing this? Right. If we can't connect with people at that level. You yeah. Know, it, it, it's, um, I, it, we look at like, you look at the way the world is set up, man. Like it's been hard enough as it is. Like life was crazy hard, you know, before the world got weird. Like I, I was telling I had an argument, I don't know if argument, but a debate with a couple of friends of like, yo, I feel like 2020 was the weirdest year in human existence. And my friends were like, what do you mean? Like we had like the crusades, we had like the, the Salem witch trials. I'm like, yes, that's awful. But the things that we deal with would boggle the minds of mm. the people that dealt with that kind of stuff. Like uh-huh. obviously like the technology would, you right, know, right. I think about the joke of like giving, giving a, a, a sour patch kid to a pilgrim, like it would just kill him. Right. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, it, <laughs> but like just the thing, the weird, the weirdness of, of living through that time. Uh-huh. And then since then, because we live in like a post truth society now right. where it's like, Oh shit, you can just say something is true or not. And that's Bible. Right. Even if it's, Incorrect and clearly incorrect and clearly incorrect. <laughs> yeah. You can just be like, nah, that's my reality. Like, right. oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, um, I think we are just dealing with so much uncertainty, and you know, we're you know, the world is burning and all that. And I think you know, with and I was kind of commiserating yesterday 
with my friends and I was just like, hey man, what's the point of all this? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we're out here trying to make a difference in the world with our art, but like the world is is changing fundamentally in a, in a way that like, we we probably can't even comprehend quite yet, right? So right. I'm like, what's the point? Like we should just, you know, batten down the hatches and take care of our family. What's the point of like trying to make it, quote unquote? Yeah. And my friend was like, hey, first of all, you're just going through a weird thing that all like creatives go through. And I, you know, I'm like, yes, I know you're right. Cause <laughs> that's what, that's what happened. That's the roller coaster. Right. But he's also like, yeah, but what's the point of living if, if we always have to be worrying about dying? You know, mm-hmm. we always have to be worrying about, you know, the things that are that are most dire like what's the point of living if if we're always just going to be surrounded by um this darkness that that like darkness that we can use is useful like darkness where we can you know the shadow work and the things that we do you know that is that is that is that is important when it comes to like you know dealing with with uh uh the things that we don't want to deal with that's great but to be overwhelmed by 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 the world like what's what's the point man so like it's like you were saying, like you have the surface level stuff, but the things that I like that I hold on to, man, is like having walking away from a conversation with somebody you fuck with or even as a stranger and being yeah. like, yo, I saw we saw each other as humans. Right. You know what I mean? We saw each yes. other as human beings. That's yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, and artists like you were talking about empathy, right? Like uh art is such a powerful way to teach empathy because it's it puts you really in someone else's shoes in a way that you can't in any other way. You can feel their experiences. You can hear their thoughts. Mm, a few weeks ago, I was walking down Broadway, and a trans woman ran up. Now, uh, online, you know, I'm R. Allen Wrights. So um, somebody who's never heard it out loud, you know, this trans woman runs up and says, oh, my God, are you Allen Wrights? Right? Which is funny to me, but I was like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, like, they were really engaged in uh, the, the weekly comic I do for the Colorado Sun. But... The thing that was such a victory to me is I grew up in an environment that was like anti, anti-gay, anti-trans, and yeah. you know, like all like yeah. manhood, you yeah. know, and yeah. hoodhood, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like to, to, to think that I came from that, but was able to create art that resonated so much with somebody from this demographic yeah. that they felt overjoyed. Imagine saying that to a seven-year-old you. Huh, yeah. Imagine saying that right. that's what would happen in your life. Right. You'd be like, that's right. crazy. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. There's no way. Right. That, you they, know? that they feel so touched that they want to, like, that they can run up to me enthusiastically and yeah, greet me. Yeah, dude. Like, that to me is the, the highest gift of being And, an and, and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's wild because, like, it's hard to talk about these experiences with people that are fans of your work and not feel like you're bragging about it, right? Right. And and I think it, depending on your tone, obviously you can tell if someone's just like trying to humble brag or just trying to gas <laughs> right. themselves or whatever. And who's to say that we can't let them do that? You know, like you know, life is hard enough. Let them have their have their shine. But yeah. it, when we talk about these instances where you make a difference with somebody, it's like yes, they're you're feeding. It's it's for you, mm-hmm. right? But it's also like, hey man, like you're giving a part of your soul to these people mm-hmm. and they're taking care of it. Yes. Like they're, 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 they're it's being, a beautiful good, way they're, to say they're that. being good. They're being good shepherds of like these, this piece of yourself that you're giving to them because they understand it. And they're like, Oh, I really appreciate it. And I want to tell you how much I appreciate this yeah. part of yourself that you gave me. And, and it's, you know, and I can think of, you know, so many instances where somebody, you know, I was able to connect with somebody by talking with them about their art, yeah. right? 
And that in turn allowed me to want to carry on in a way that will allow me to uh, create in a way that will make me feel, make somebody else feel the way that that artist made me feel. Yeah. And so that it's just like this, this ripple effect, this, this butterfly effect of, of inspiring people and, and, and how much that can like change a perspective, right? Like we, our entire lives are confined between, you know, our eyeballs here, our, our, our ears, right? Our gray matter, that's our entire world, right? And, and when you're able to, you know, give somebody something that makes them, you know, gives them that, you know, gives them that dopamine hit or gives them that, that, that feeling in their stomach of like, finally I saw something, or I witnessed something, or I read something, or I heard something that makes like my soul sing. It's like, yo, you're, you're changing their perspective on the world. And, and that in itself, while yes, that makes me feel good, yeah. that makes me feel good, that makes us feel good, but like that is literally what we're, in my opinion, what we're put on this earth to do. Mm-hmm. Like we weren't put on this earth to, to consume, we weren't put on this earth to dominate, we weren't put on this earth to, to have these experiences, while yes, like we are put on this earth to be happy and things like that, it's about, uh, I, I don't, one of the reasons why, like I grew up in a very religious uh, a thing uh, household. Well, yeah. that, my actual household wasn't crazy religion, but we're just, but my family, like my oh, extended family was okay. very religious. Yeah. So my mom came from that. So she, we still had to go to church and stuff, but inside the home, we weren't really crazy religious, but right. you know, we were going to church like two, sometimes three times a week. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, 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 and one of the things that kind of pushed me away from, from traditional religion yeah. um, was this whole idea of fear. Hmm. I'm supposed to fear this, this, this omnipotent being that put me on this earth. And, and not only am I supposed to fear this, this omnipotent being, I, I need to praise him for my suffering. And I need to also, uh, uh, uh be put on this earth to suffer hmm. depending on what religion, you know, I got Catholic friends. I can probably tell you that that's how they, you know, right, I grew up right. like Southern Baptist, like fire and brimstone, like you're going to hell, hell. Right. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like if you, if you, if you look at that woman down the street, you're going to hell, you know they what I'm saying? Like the all tongues, that kind of stuff. Yeah. The thing about it, I wish I, I would have side note. I wish I would have appreciated uh, going to church more because now that I look back on it, yeah. like while like I'm away from it, I'm like, bro, that was just some of the most. Uh, um, um, there, you can only experience that in a black church. Yeah, like those things, like right. of somebody catching the Holy Spirit and falling out, no doubt, and, and, you know, speaking in tongues yeah, or, yeah. or hitting the drums like crazy and in sweating. That way, right. and you know what I'm right. saying? And sweating through the suit like that is that is something that. Like as black people, that is something that is uniquely ours. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And and that is something that while I'm I'm not religious anymore, and I'm not a practicing Christian or anything like that, I'm very, very spiritual in the way that I look at the world as just like one unified being or whatever. And but that's one thing where I'm like it, you know, you need those kind of institutions. Like, yeah. you know, even though I'm not a church going person, I understand the importance of, of a church because that's a gathering place. That's right. where everybody can go. That's how people can connect. Civil that's rights that's fellowship. That's the civil rights movement. <laughs> yeah. That's where people can get fed. That's all that stuff. Yeah. And, and so it's, that is, that's, that's humanity at its most, at, at its, at its most pure. It's when you put in these other isms inside of it and you corrupt that and turn it into something else. It's like, you yeah. lose a piece of yeah, that. The analysis of it is dope, man. Mm. Right, so like for me, um, a church moved into my neighborhood when I was like 13. Uh, my mom took me, we joined, it was like 50 people. By the time I was 17, it was 20,000, right? Now those early days, we're all community. It was all come as you are, 
Like God wants you to be your best self, your truest self. But by the time it got super big, it was what what kind of suit are you wearing? It's a business. Yeah, it's a business, it was, it was super like classes, yeah. hierarchical, yeah. Yeah. reinforcing racism. It was an all black church, but it yeah. was very much like yeah. reinforcing every terrible, hateful. Yeah. You know, and for me as a as a young black man, I was like the worst. You know what I'm saying? Like I was the target of all their ire. You know. Yeah. But there was, yeah. but like, yeah. so you know, you and me know each other from like the the you know kind of hip dance community, hip hop. Yeah, you know, like, bro, over in yeah. goodness, and right. the, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so like, for me, the first place I danced was in church, you so, know? That's it. Right, and, that's so, it. Like, and so I definitely still carry that with me, man. And so like, when I'm on that dance floor, that's pretty much why I don't get to know people, because <laughs> I basically just come in, go straight to the dance that's floor. That's it, baby. And that is like my like, connection with God, you know? Yeah, it's, and it's, you know, it's, it's so much deeper than the surface level stuff that you could see for other sects of of Christianity in, in the United States, because you know, especially if it's like a, a Southern Baptist church, you know, a Baptist church that is directly a a a a, uh, a descendant of of what we had to go through when we, you know, part of the diaspora. I mean, you know, that's you know, we had black we had the enslaved population that's how they communicated with right. everybody through hymns and through dancing and, th and things like that mm -hmm. so it's so deeply rooted in in this this idea of overcoming and that and that's something that has always been something that has sat with me in in a way that uh, that in a good way of right. the message that i i would take away from like the overarching message i would take away from if i can look back on the time when i was going to church a lot was this idea of like we'll overcome this we'll yeah. overcome this together and that's why you have these civil rights movements you know organized through the church because it's all about you know we are not going to allow uh, our, our station in life to to remain this way we're going to overcome this by by yeah. the grace of god if that's if that's what yeah. you want to do i feel like i should also yeah. bring out and you probably you know this but i feel mm -hmm. like for people listening uh during that time the church was one of the few places that black people could gather without like police trying to break it up or us being attacked you know so like the civil rights movement kind of sort of had to come because it's the only to. place we could talk you had know? to man just, had to just, crazy anyway. yeah 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 all right so uh you, we were talking about um how people react to art and with you doing photography and film mm -hmm. um i would love if you have an example of like when you created something where somebody specifically talked about how it affected them uh man there's a there's a few instances um but i i would say it was <laughs> I have a couple. I have a couple of instances specifically. Um, I actually have a few, but uh, the 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 one I want to uh, speak about specifically was, um, you know, while the uprising was happening in 2020. Yeah. Um, I was going to a lot of protests. Um, at first, I was going there to document. You know, okay. I wanted to be able to be a fly on the wall, take it in, take photos, and just really approach it from a photojournalistic. Uh, standpoint of you know this is an important time right. you know I didn't see a, I didn't see any black photographers out there or brown photographers out there and so huh. this is our plight you know in, in a class plight as well but right. I, I wasn't seeing it we were being displayed uh, in a manner that felt like trauma porn through other people's eyes through, through other people's no eyes doubt. so um, I, that's what prompted me to go out there um, and and Subsequently, things changed once I got tear gassed the first time, yeah. and I was like, "Wait a second, I, it clicked, something clicked," and I was uh -huh. like, "Hold on, you know, I don't want to be someone that's just taking photos of this, documenting. I want to be someone that is a part of this of this movement, 
um, and 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 really try to fulfill a role within that community. Yeah. Um, but before that, you know, I went to a protest that was over uh, in the Montbello area, and um, and you know everyone had their fists up and things like that. So I took a photo um, of of this gentleman's fist like raised in the air um and entitled it uh break our chains okay and and that photo um was probably the first time i could really see that um i have a responsibility like with my lens Uh like i have a responsibility of what i take i have a responsibility of of my perspective and i have a responsibility um, uh, to make sure that I do it in a light that is going to be authentic because, um, you know, I'm not just some random dude, right. You know, I'm not just some random guy that you're going to find like people who are paying attention. And that's when I, things kind of, uh, changed a little bit for me of being like, um, you know, I need, I thought I was living within my purpose of being a creative and I knew I had to go deeper. Mm-hmm. a little bit deeper because you know a lot of people reacted to that that image in a way that felt like um it gave them a sense of of like revolutionary spirit huh. like they it gave them like a battery in their back yeah. so i was like okay well all right well now that i know that people can identify with my work in that way. Uh-huh. I have to be very intentional with how I do it, yeah. regardless of the subject matter. Like, hmm. regardless if it's you know from a uh, a street photography uh, perspective or from you know making a short film, I have to be very very conscious of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was probably one of the times that I was able to kind of realize that you know people are, are receiving my art in the way that I wanted to. Hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. that's dope. Yeah. That's really dope. Yeah. MCA Denver at the Holiday Theater is a hub for the arts located in this historic 400-seat theater. We aim to realize one-of-a-kind creative experiences for audiences that spark curiosity, challenge conventions, inspire, and delight. Visit mcadenver.org to learn more about the robust schedule of museum-driven and collaborative programming. All right, I want to, we talked about sort of like artistic insecurities and things that we have kind of overcome and stuff like that. Um, I think all artists at some point experience it. So um, for you, especially at this point where you finally consider yourself an artist, uh, what is it like when you feel that fear and then what do you do to to move through it? Oh man, I feel like I have self-doubt, like it goes on and off like a light switch. Uh, You know what I mean? It goes, you know, I've, as somebody that, you know, has their whole life been someone that's been like very hyperactive and I can't focus on one project. I have to do a million things at once or else I feel like I'm not doing anything. It's been that way since I was a child. Hmm. So, um, you know, I I deal with doubt on a probably a weekly basis Mm -hmm. of like, man, I was, it was all good just a week ago. Now I'm feeling like, you know, I can't do anything right. You know, Um, what gets me out of that is just time. Hmm. It's, it's just what it is like there is from somebody whose brain works the way mine does where I'm very much um, not only do I romanticize everything I overanalyze every bit of my existence and every interaction that I've had with every person I remember conversations that went poorly in the second grade like I remember everything you know so like I overanalyze everything yeah. so 
Uh, and I think that is relatively common for an artistic brain because just because like, we can say that, you know, we create art and this is what it is and take it or leave it. But we make art so people can look at the art. Right. We don't make the art so we can. I mean, some people make art and never show it off. I get I mean, yeah. more power to them. Right. Um, um, but, you know, if you're like me, you make art so people can fucking see the art. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um it, it, there's there's that insecurity that creeps in a whole lot, but uh, you know, for for me, I have to just go through it. You know, like it, it, my insecurities are my my emotions are directly tied to if I feel like I'm fulfilling what I need to be doing as an artist or not. Huh. Like it's directly tied to that. They're yeah. not. They're irreparably tied. You know, I can't separate the two things because I live as an artist. Like I can't just put it over there. Yeah. Like it's all in here all the time. So I have to deal with that. So if if you know, in order, like when I say time, it's like yo, you have to take the time to work. Like I'm a big proponent of like when when I'm giving advice to people mm-hmm. and they're going through stuff and yeah. they're like they're coming to me like, man, my life is fucked up right now. I don't right. know what to do. What should I do? I'm like, hey, and and they and they feel all these groundswell of emotions and they're like yo i don't know what to do with them I'm like you just need to feel those emotions hmm. feel them and stop trying to repress them yeah. work through them and you'll get through them and you'll be fine hmm. and then i have to remember that when i'm going through it right. of like hey man like this is this you know this this is what happens right this is this is what you signed up for it's a regular cycle this is this is what's going to happen yeah you're just going to have to deal with it you're going to have to work your way through it and huh. then you're going to be fine and so you know it, it's it's one of those things where I just have to give myself the time to be in that position of not feeling expired, inspired or not feeling like I'm, I'm worth a damn mm-hmm. or not feeling like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Just feel those, yeah. work my way through it. And I just knowing, I just know that I'm going to come out of it. Huh. You know, if you, if you live long enough and you go through enough crap, yeah. you know, you're going to come out of it. Yeah. It just sucks while you're going through it. Right. So you just got to go through it and get yourself through that. And one of the things that my mom, um, was really trying to preach to me a couple of a few weeks ago. I was really going through it a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. really, really down the dumps. And, you know, uh, and I, you know, she could tell, you know, I was back home in Wyoming and okay. she's just like, you seem what's going on. And I'm just like, you know, I'm fine. I'm just going through stuff, man. And just, you know, mom, I'll get through it. And she's like, you know, and, and she's just like, you don't ever confide in anybody. Like huh. you don't ever reach out to anybody for help. You never reach out to, to speak your mind about what you're going through. You just deal with it. You just shoulder it. Huh. And I've done that my whole life. And, and what she had taught me is that, you know, so I was, I was, uh, I'm, I'm, so I'm a recovering alcoholic. Okay. So I, I stopped drinking and on October 21st, 2015. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, and so I was, I was, partying all the time, doing a lot of drugs, drinking every single day. Uh-huh. And, you know, I had done so many bad things during that course of being an addict that didn't stop me from being an addict. Hmm. The thing that stopped me from being an addict was people finding out that I was an addict. Uh-huh. That's what did it. It wasn't driving drunk. It wasn't uh, putting my life at risk. It wasn't putting other people's life at risk. It wasn't any of that. Yeah. It, was, it was finally people seeing me for what I actually was. That's mm-hmm. what got me to stop. Right. And, and what... I realized through that was it was it didn't make me weaker that they found out about it. Mm-hmm. It didn't make me feel worse in their eyes because they found out about it. It actually enriched all my my relationships and it re- enriched all the things that was going on totally. and made them stronger yeah. because I'm human. Right. Right. So it's um, 
And so that's another thing. Like, it's going to be a mixture of time. You just got to go through it, feel yeah. those emotions. But you have to, like, be okay with reaching out to people and being like, hey, man, I'm not doing too great right now. Even if that has to do just with your art. If you're yes. feeling that doubt, you have to confide in some people and be like, hey, man, I'm, like, not feeling that. I got to say, man, first of all, props to your mom. But like, She's the best, man. Yeah. Mary Gadlin, shout out to you. I know, you're, I know you're listening. You listen to all my stuff. You watch all my things. So it's I love something- you very specific, like a parent at their best can give you a perspective on yourself that nobody else can give. Uh, it's crazy. Because they've seen you your entire life. Bro, she didn't say anything groundbreaking. Right. She just said you need to reach out to people more. Yes. Duh. That's what you should. It but it came thing. from her. It was a, yeah. it was a hit. Are you, are you a parent? I am. Okay. I am. So how has, how has that impacted your approach to art? Oh, man. It's impacted it in the sense of um, I'm, I think so much about, man, it's crazy to say this, but I think about like what I'm going to leave behind all the time, all the time. I think about what are people going to think of me when I'm gone? Um, what are people, what am I going to leave behind as far as like a legacy and stuff like that? I can't help but think that way. And, and so with, with my daughter, Ava, you know, it's that now like tenfold of like, she, she just turned one. Okay. She turned one in June. Oh, wow. Recent. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Miss Ava Sky. So, (laughs) um, it, it, it's one of those things where um, with her, she she's allowed me to look at life through a lens that is like a lot more pure and unadulterated and un, unfiltered and, and like unbastardized, right? Like when I pick her up and I sit her on the fence and we're looking out, out you know, at the, at the wilderness, none of the, the pretexts of adulthood is in there. Right. It's all about, hey, look, there's a plane. You know, so it's like it takes that away. So it forces me to realize that none of this stuff I'm worrying about really matters. Like uh-huh. all of this, all of this things that I'm like in my head about yeah. doesn't really matter. And so that should allow me to create a little bit more freely. And as opposed to being so caught up in like, hey, man, it has to be perfect. You know what I, I mean? That, man. Yeah, really man. Good. Yeah. All right. Uh, we kind of wrap up with asking people what's their what's your current geek guilty pleasure? Oh my God, bro. Okay, I don't have any guilty pleasures. I don't believe in guilty right. pleasures. I, all my pleasures are innocent. Without guilt. Are, are, are with my whole chest. But um, something that, I have two things that I'm obsessed with that are like nerdy as fuck. Okay. All right, so um, I'm obsessed with this video game called Hades. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dungeon crawler, a roguelike game where you, you trying to go through the five levels of hell to get to the surface. It's, it's, it's awesome. Okay. I've been obsessed with this game. I can't stop playing it. So that's one. Two is my, my growing VHS collection. Um, I'm up to like a hundred VHSs now. You have a VCR. What? I have a VCR that doesn't work, unfortunately. Now <laughs> okay. it, it did work until the other day, and huh. and luckily the tape I put in there wasn't a good tape because it destroyed it. So, oh, wow. uh, but yeah, I have a, a, a actually kind of embarrassing VHS collection of of all the movies I grew up on. Dope. You know what I'm saying? So I I just found Purple Rain recently, yeah. and you know what I mean. So I, it's it's the it's the thrill of the hunt. Right. Like, you know, people are like, yo, you can go on eBay. I'm like, nah, man, I want to find it in the wild. Right. They're like, yo, you can buy it off the night. Nope. Nah, I got to <laughs> find it in the wild because it's, it's the thrill of finding that, you know? Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's what's next for you artistically? What's your next direction? Oh, man. I got I got something I'm working on right now. I'm very excited about it. I can't talk about it yet, but uh, it, it's something it if, 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 if it goes through, it's what I've, the goal that I've been wanting to do with my career my whole my whole artistic life so if we can actually do it that'd be great so i got that going on i got uh my movie night series with my podcast uh, popcorn and jalapenos okay uh i co-host that with nate bishop so shout out to ghost robot um and everybody can find that on yeah 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 so we okay. we 
we recorded for about a year. We're taking a break from recording, but we're still doing live events. Okay. Um, and so you can find our Instagram at Popcorn and Jalapenos Pod. That's where we're most active. And we do, we're doing a movie night series, and we have something very exciting coming up in October. Um, and so that's that's what I'm working on right now, man. Right, man. Yeah. Pleasure talking to you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being here. It was a really cool conversation. Man, this was great, man. This was a great conversation. I appreciate you, bro. Again, I feel like we've known each other for like over a decade. It's it's crazy. I know. That's crazy. (laughs) So uh, thanks to our listeners. Be sure to subscribe to How Art is Born wherever you get your podcasts for more episodes. And if you can, leave a review. It really helps us out. Check out MCA Denver on YouTube and subscribe there too for behind-the-scenes clips from today's episode. 